you hear us through your AirPods or see us on your laptop, how about meeting us in real life? Because we're taking Queer Money on the road this summer and fall. Visit QueerMoneyPodcast.com forward slash tour or the link in your podcast player to find out when we'll be in your neighborhood. From chaos and almost daily fights about money, food, and much more to making over $52,000 a month on a 20-hour-a-week business. She's a friend, a mentor, and one of the women blowing up the personal finance space. We've got Rosemary Groner of The Busy Budgeter on Queer Money this week. She shares with us how she turned her life around and how she's earning more in a month than she did in a year just five years ago. If you need some additional help cutting your budget, we've got a copy of our menu and grocery list that helps us save thousands off our grocery budget every year. Just click on the show notes page or the more button in iTunes to grab your copy. There's personal finance for the masses. This is not personal finance for the masses. This is Queer Money. So we are excited today. One of our good FinCon friends, former mastermind friends, Rosemary Groner of The Busy Budgeter is with us today. Welcome, Rosemary. Hi, you guys. I'm so excited to be here. I love you guys. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> love you too. Likewise. Feelings mutual. We're so excited <laughs> to have you. We, and we had a great time hanging out with you. Uh, I think I don't. you didn't drink, but I think... David and I drank about <laughs> two and a half bottles of wine that one night when we were at FinCon. <laughs> you drank enough for all of us. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, sticking with the norm. So it was it was cool to hang out with you, and we're excited to have you on our show. And the reason why we wanted to have you on Queer Money is we have a lot of LGBT parents, um, some same-sex couples, and a lot of um, LGBT individuals who have children, um, and they're trying to balance it all. And they don't. Um, our community doesn't get uh, the same kind of support that I think that the general population does. And so we're excited to have Rosemary on because she is not only amazing with budgeting her time, she's also amazing with budgeting her budget. <laughs> and so we wanted to share her wisdom of managing a family, uh, managing her time and her budget. And then also uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the amazing business that she's built, maybe inspire some of our community. So do you mind um, giving us a little bit of your background, Rosemary, and your story? Absolutely. So I was a state trooper for about nine years. Um, I got married to a fellow state trooper. And <laughs> nice. we realized very quickly that we were just in complete and utter chaos. Like, I mean, we were chronically disorganized. I mean, there was piles of dishes in the sink at all times <laughs> to the point that we couldn't even cook. We had to walk over our laundry pile to get out of the house. We were constantly running late to appointments. Do you know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. like we just we just sucked at life, period, not just the budget. <laughs> and we were newly married and we had money fights that you would think would be caused from like the bitterness of like, you know, 10, 20 year marriage. <laughs> and we're like, how are we three months into this? And we can't even get this right. So we had really like a, a giant life overhaul um, that took a long time, probably about five years total. And what we ended up doing was we reduced our spending by over $23,000 a year. Uh, We had a baby. We replaced my income by working at home, first with a home daycare and then with a blog. We got organized. We figured out a laundry routine that works. We figured out a dish routine that works, a schedule (laughs) routine that works. And basically, over time, like we haven't had a money fight and we stopped counting, but it's probably been like six years. Awesome. Yeah. So it's been pretty crazy. Nice. So I got to go back a little bit. So did you, am I following correctly that you lowered your expenses by $23,000 at the same time that you had a baby? (laughs) 
We actually lowered our expenses right before we had a baby. Because okay. that was one of the other problems. We wanted to have kids really, really soon. And we were like, we can't even manage ourselves. Like, how are right. we supposed to take care of another human being? Yeah. Dave and I say that all the time. We're, we're like, kids are so expensive. I don't know how we would have the quality of life we have if we had children. Excessive <laughs> and time. Just the, you know, like you said, there, there's just, there's, there's so many other things going on in life. And then you want to add another life into your own. It's just amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I will say like it's totally – they're the – it's so weird. They're like the best things in the world and it's like when you get them, you're like, oh my gosh, I would trade all the riches in the world for them. Mm-hmm. But going into it, you're like, well, I need to live in a mansion. Like I need cars. <laughs> like I need to have $20,000 in like an offshore account. Like it's very <laughs> That's awesome. So in hindsight, I think this is – what you're talking about is it's very – indicative of what I think a lot of Americans feel, not just parents and not just couples. You know, David and I have gone through several bouts where we're just like, why is life so chaotic? Why is, are things not working out for us? And that was part of the reason why we decided to eventually grow into our, our own business and stop working for somebody else. But so in hindsight, what do you think were the problems that you and John were dealing with at that time when everything was so chaotic? So we had a couple of issues. And these are great questions, by the way. Um, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> We had a couple of problems. The one is that neither of us were organized, right? There's a chronic disorganization that existed just in the way that we grew up and the way we both had parents that really kind of took care of us, um, which is good and bad. (laughs) We have really great families, but we kind of lack the independent skills, life skills that you would need to be an adult. Um, (laughs) The second thing that happened was that we had a job that had a really chaotic schedule, like most jobs, right? So police work is kind of Mm 24-7. So your days off, you'd get called into work. You'd get extended suddenly for a 16-hour shift. You would work shift work, you'd work late at night, you'd work early mornings, um, and your life is never your own. So combine those two things together, what would we do? We would go out and buy $300 worth of groceries for the house and then eat out every single meal. We would say we were going to get the laundry done, we'd put it all into the washing machine and let it rot while we forgot about it for like a week. I've literally forgot laundry in the washing machine for like a week before and had oh, it thrown out. Isn't that the worst smell in the world? Crazy. <laughs> like, but that's... Yeah, anyway. So there's a couple of things we did. First of all, we only did one thing at once. Like I didn't lose weight and budget. Do you know what I mean? We just Mm. put all of our time and effort into just reducing our spending. Because if we can reduce our spending, then one of us could get out of the state police and then we would have time to figure out new skills. Um, And that's what we did. The second step of that was like, okay, now you're out of the state police, you have a little bit of room. Now we need to work on kind of life skills. We worked on the laundry routine. We worked on the dishes routine. Like if you look at the way that I live my life and the schedules that I have right now, compared to what it was back then, it's like night and day. Like you would think I'm the most type A personality ever right now. Like Google runs my whole life, the calendar (laughs) versus before. Like, I mean, I couldn't tell you, like, I couldn't even, I'm surprised I showed up at the wedding, honestly. (laughs) Like I didn't know what anything was. But I think that you have to like figure out what's going to have the biggest impact on everything else and do that thing first. Gotcha. So it sounds like before you went into this, had you already read The One Thing by Gary Keller and Jay Papasan? No, I hadn't. And I actually say the one thing all the time or like your best yes, and I've never read either book. Isn't that terrible? (laughs) Oh, wow. That's interesting. But it's so it's interesting because that's exactly – it sounds like that's exactly what you did was – What is the one thing we can fix right now to make everything a little bit easier and then fix that and then progress on the next step? Right. Yes. Yes. And that's 
I mean, it works, man. It works. And we do that in business too. Like we figure out, okay, what's the one thing that's going to give us. So for business, it's passive income. Like what can give us passive income to give us time and money to do something else? Right. You know, I I love that that you decided to do that because so many of us, especially this time of the year when we're getting ready to go into the new year, we think I want a complete life overhaul. And so, like you said, I, I want to lose weight. I want to get my money on track. I want to start taking care of my health, you know, health or my family or spend more time with friends or, you know, we come up with this gigantic list of 20 New Year's resolutions and we, as most people do, quit them around January 21st, right after <laughs> Martin Luther King Day when we've had a day off and, <laughs> and we're done with those resolutions. But yeah, what's, what's amazing about this is, is, if you just change one thing, make one habit, that that can have that ripple effect on all of the other things because it frees up your time, it frees up your mental energy, maybe frees up your finances so that you can then move on to the next one. Absolutely. And think about it like this. So if every year for the past 10 years, you've said you're going to lose 20 pounds and every year for the past 20 years, you've not lost 20 pounds switch it up. Because if like, let's say that you're not losing the 20 pounds because you have a super hectic job and you hate your job and you kind of hate your life a little bit. What if we make your 2018 goal, get out of that sucky job, start your own business or do your own thing or just have a better schedule. Mm -hmm. And then 2019, we can try again for that old uh, lose 20 pounds, which I can tell you it is so much easier to lose weight when you work for yourself. Because like right now I work a 20 hour work week and I make way more money than I ever made in the state police, which gives me time to pay for a nutritionist. And I go to CrossFit five times a week. And it (laughs) makes it so that I have like these resources available to help me. And also I have time, like trying to fit an hour of CrossFit five times a week as a state trooper would have been laughable. Right. Especially having kids and a spouse spouse and all of that. Yeah. Laundry and the laundry regime for a week. (laughs) So take a step back if, if you don't mind. So you and John are, are both working for the state police. Life is hectic. And you say to yourself, this isn't working out. What yeah. was the what was the first thing that you changed again? So the first thing was we did, we um, reduced our spending by about $23,000. In order to do that, we actually had to focus on basic life skills. We're talking super, super basic. So we implemented a laundry routine and a dishes routine. And then towards the end of that, um, we started meal planning as well. Gotcha. So, okay. That, that, yes, my, my follow-up question too was that then what did you do to succeed at that goal? So how did um, coming up with uh, dishes routine, laundry routine, how did that help? Where did you find money in that? So it's actually A-B testing. So the, the part of the problem with us was that we were spending money because we were disorganized. Like everybody mm-hmm. has, you know, impulse purchases and things like that. Our money came from, we would literally go out and buy three to $500 worth of groceries because we're convinced we're going to be cooking like, you know, crazy meals at home. And then we would go out and eat every single meal while we have like a fridge of rotting food. So what we had to do is we knew that eating at home was going to save us money, but it just never happened despite our best effort. So what we did was we figured out a dishes routine so that our our sink is always clean. Our (laughs) kitchen is always clean. So it's no big deal to go in there. And then we started something called 15 minute meals, which is convenience foods. Mm -hmm. So like at the time with the state police, you get a lot of fast food because that's kind of where everybody else is eating and that's what you have time for. 
So our taste really kind of ran towards Chick-fil-A pretty much. That was a hit. <laughs> I do so love that by, sandwich. <laughs> I know. <laughs> by coming up with convenience foods at home, like it, first of all, you're microwaving most of the meals. So it doesn't require a ton of skill. Neither of us really knew how to cook like everyday cooking. And then once we got that habit, that combined with the dishes, we're like, okay, now our grocery budget, you know, plummets. Now we're spending very little on that. But then what happens is the laundry is never done, right? Well, that means that we can't go work out. That means that we end up buying clothes that we let get moldy in the in the um <laughs> In the washing machine. <laughs> it also means that when we feel bad about ourselves, like we go out and we spend a fortune yes. at Athleta or the mall or wherever. And once we realize that if we actually like kept that laundry moving, that actually led to a capsule wardrobe, which I don't know if you guys know anything about that, but it's basically um, all of the things that you own kind of work together. So just mm -hmm. choose a pant, choose a shirt and run out the door which saved us a ton of money. So it's like these little tiny changes led to other changes, led to other changes, other changes. And it, it was just kind of like transformational as a whole. I love your story in part because I hear some of the changes that John and I made as well. When we were first going through our budget and I was trying to figure out how we were spending so much money, one of the things we recognized is that we were spending about $400 a week on groceries and $400 a week on dining out. And yes. that is just a staggering amount of that money. That didn't include our wine budget. <laughs> <laughs> that was a whole other, other line item. Right. Yeah. And I think that it was this, it was uh, 2016 was the first year in America where Americans spent more money on dining out than they did on groceries as a whole. And so you're, what you're talking about here is what is happening to families and individuals across the country that they're letting all this food sit in their refrigerator and rot uh, was yeah. 165 billion dollars a year worth of food gets thrown out because absolutely we don't eat it and it's amazing that just one small change like that had this domino effect on now you have this amazing business and organized life and you are the busy budgeter <laughs> <laughs> It's been a transformation, let me tell you. It's so funny because when people have like like views of you, you're like, oh, you're so organized. You're so this. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like you have no idea. Like that's <laughs> not the way this started. <laughs> right. But isn't that very oftentimes the case where you know, people blossom into something that they completely the opposite of what they were before? And I think it's because you're like, you're thinking to yourself, similar to what David and I thought was, we can't continue like this. We, our relationship yeah. won't last. I won't last if we continue to live in this, these present circumstances. So how can, what can we do to change it? And I love how it was so brilliant how you, it, it is when you go into the kitchen and your sink is overloaded with dishes, <laughs> it's just like, I don't want to, I don't have the time nor the interest or energy to deal with this right now. Let's just go to Chipotle. That's, that's what I was just <laughs> going to say. That's always my choice is Chipotle. Chipotle. <laughs> and oh then, my gosh. You know, Chipotle. once in a while, that's, that's fine. But if you're doing that every night, it gets very expensive. Yes, exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, you have a lot of families, um, probably mostly moms who come to your website. What kind of trends are you seeing that Americans are, are struggling with today? So the grocery budget, if you're interested in budgeting, your number one way to save massive amounts of money quickly is almost always going to be your grocery budget. I mean, people are spending more than $1,000, $1,500 a month to feed their families and they just don't have it. 
and we find that this is common with busy schedules. So again, they think they have a budgeting problem. They think they have a grocery problem, but what they really have is a kind of life skills problem. So if we can get their schedule under control, if we can get meal planning under control, if we can get dishes under control, then that grocery problem kind of goes away. And we reduced our grocery spending. We had it lower when we did all freezer cooking, but we've had it as low as $70 a week. And then our normal for budgeting is like 120. We go over that now because we get like fun stuff. Like John's like in love with craft beer all the time. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but I'd say like $120 a week is is completely doable for most families. And And that's for a family of four. That's for a family of four, yeah. Right. What was our What was our best budget the one time when we um, had all those coupons and <laughs> we saved like seventy percent? Right. Do you, I want to see if we beat beat Rosemary. No, I don't, I don't. I don't know about that, but <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that we could do uh, what's half of seventy thirty five dollars for the two of us for a week. But <laughs> well, yeah. So having two instead of four actually doesn't change it that much because we actually do dinners and lunches together. So it costs less to do a large batch of something than it does to make two completely separate recipes because you get to buy in bulk then. Right, and, and I think one of the other great things you, you're talking about here is when you're cooking in bulk, then you take down that preparation time for those multiple meals going forward. You know, if you, yeah. it, you do that for four meals or eight meals for the week, well, then you don't have to spend that 15 minutes or 30 minutes preparing that meal. It's pop it in the microwave and it's done in three minutes. Yes. We put everything on automation that we can. So breakfast every day is the same thing until we get sick of it. And then we do a new, a new thing that's different <laughs> until we get sick of that. <laughs> Um, lunches are always the same as dinners. That's brilliant too. Cause that's, you know, they, people often talk about why does Mark Zuckerberg wear the same shirt all the time? And I think he doesn't do that, that as bad anymore, but why did Steve Jobs wear the same shirt all the time? And that one book that you read about that guy, he just, he ate the same meals every day. And the idea is to take as much thinking out of your day as possible and save it for, reserve it for more important thoughts. Right. The decision process becomes you use those wise decisions for the ways that you can improve your life rather than just maintain your life. Absolutely. And if you think about it from a cost perspective, so let's say we wanted to have like pancakes and bagels and cream cheese and milk and cereal and like yogurt and granola and like egg stuff around. So that's a lot of groceries. I mean, that's probably 50 bucks right there versus every single morning uh, we have yogurt, granola, blueberries and honey. So that's like we buy those things in mass, like giant, giant containers of it and just dish it out. And when we get sick of it, we'll switch to something else. Right. And that works. Mm. It does work. Because we, we, for the most part, will eat um, either oatmeal or yogurt. And this time of year, we put pumpkin in. But in the summertime, we'll use berries. Right. And other oh, than, I see. Other than maybe, yeah, cause, oh, if you do, if you do uh, plain white yogurt, plain yogurt, put uh, organic pumpkin, ground up pumpkin from the can in there, a little bit of honey, nutmeg, and cinnamon, and it tastes like pumpkin pie. <laughs> so good. I'm going to have to try that. And if you're have- good with not adding too much honey, it's very healthy. Right. Pumpkin spice breakfast almost every single day. <laughs> but yeah, in the, in the summertime, we'll mix it up and we'll get fresh berries instead of the pumpkin. But And the pumpkin is really good for your skin. It makes you look younger. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. So you touched on it earlier. What do you think a reasonable budget is for for a family of four for their groceries? So there's all sorts of discussions about this. And so there's never really like a good number. I would say a family of four, unless you have teenagers, count teenagers as adults, a family of four, I would say you can easily do it, easily do it under 160 a week. 
That being said, a lot of things differ here. So meaning that if you go out, we have a separate budget category for stockroom items and we automate all of our stockroom, anything that's needed to run the house, face wash, shampoo, house cleaners, toilet paper, paper towels, all that stuff gets automatically delivered to our house from Amazon every three months. We do like, because we have a lot of storage room here. Mm -hmm. Um, If we didn't have storage room, we would do it every month. So all of that stuff is taken out. We don't have to buy that. And I said Amazon. I didn't actually mean that. I meant Target. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Amazon. Um, But if you're including all of that stuff, that's going to change the price of your groceries a lot. If you're picking up shampoo and conditioner and paper towels and toilet paper and things like that at the grocery store, I mean, it would be really hard for you to get those numbers. Mm -hmm. Um, The other factors that come in is you have kids in gross birds, you have kids with allergies, picky eaters and things like that. So what I always tell people is don't get caught up in numbers. Like if you're currently spending, when we started, we were spending $1,600 a month to feed two adults, no (laughs) kids. And that's like insane to me. Now, our first, you know, the first time that we did this, we weren't like, okay, well, the average American family spends 500 bucks. That's what we're going to spend because there's no way that's going to happen. You don't have the skills necessary to make a jump like that. So what you do is you aim next month to do better than this month. And then you keep going like that and keep going like that. Nice. You have a very linear procedural thought process. (laughs) <laughs> is that like a good thing? Is that, no, that is yeah, that like a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's solution oriented. It's very yeah, it's very solution oriented. I could see you running a, a well, you you are you're running a business. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I'm very bright. Well, and now you know basically what what you've brought out this idea of taking your food budget from sixteen hundred dollars, even if you took it down to half of that, that's you're saving eight hundred dollars a month times 12 months, that right there is $9,600 a year, you're almost halfway to your 23,000. And then you probably cut your dining out budget as well. So right there, you're probably saving $15,000 a year just by getting yourself organized when it comes to your cooking. Yeah. And that brings into this whole topic of um, substitution without sacrifice. So basically, the idea is that you take, you look at every single thing that you spend money on, every single thing in very, very tiny chunks, like one or two items a week. And you look and you seek to find substitutions that you like better or the same. And I'll, the best example that I can find for this is I used to use some like ridiculously expensive shampoo. And I've figured out that suave rosemary and mint shampoo, which I tried at somebody's house when I was staying there, I love. And this stuff's like a dollar fifty a bottle. (laughs) So I mean my with my income now, like I could like hire someone to wash my hair three times a week. And I (laughs) and I still use suave rosemary mint conditioner and and um shampoo as well. So like that's it's not I'm not doing it to save money because you know it sucks and I'll suffer through it. Like I use it because I love it. Mm Yeah. So what did you call that tip, that it's, process? Oh, so it's savings without sacrifice or substitutions without sacrifice. So the idea is you go really slowly. And we do this with everything. Mm-hmm. Every It's actually kind of annoying. My husband hates it. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but like mayonnaise, like the Walmart mayonnaise, um, I think it's called, I can't remember. It's, anyway, it's a Walmart brand. They It tastes exactly like Hellman's test. We can't take, taste the difference in a taste test. But all the other like knockoff mayonnaise, is, we taste a huge difference. Mm-hmm. So we switched and we did that one. All these take and bake pizza versus um, Domino's delivery. They taste the same to me. So uh, things like that, things that we like even better. Um, we got rid of cable like a million years ago. We have Hulu, 
Netflix, Amazon Prime, and then we'll rent a movie if we want to. We pay the same or much, much, much less, and we like it way better. Right. Yeah. So the, the, what she's talking about is what we call the not so expensive solution. Right. The NSC. Oh, yeah. Find a substitute yep. for everything that you like. And our, our best example is wine. <laughs> 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 we actually found some box wine that actually tastes quite good, um, especially for, you know, Monday through Thursday. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so I think what's interesting is what you've done is you've really, I always think it's interesting that we have all these modern day conveniences and people are just more stressed and more stressed and they've got more and more to do. And it's almost like nobody's really figured out how to master the modern day conveniences to make their life easier or better. But it sounds like that's exactly what you're doing with your A-B testing. Yes. So, I mean, and I'm so glad that you said it because it's so true. I mean, seriously, think about this. I never go to Target, Walmart. I never go. You don't even have to go grocery shopping. You can probably have groceries delivered to your house unless you live like in the middle of nowhere for less than it would cost you to go to the store and pick them out because they deliver for like a $7 fee and you don't have all of the impulse purchases that you would do if you actually go to the store. Same thing. We get everything delivered from Target every three months. It costs the exact same amount. I've actually price checked everything. They're charging me the same amount that I would have gone into the store to purchase, but they ship it all to my house for me for free. And I still get like red card um, discounts, 5% red card and all the extra coupons and bonuses you would normally get. That's awesome. And you've saved yourself that time and the decision-making process and you can use that to further your business. Huge time saving, convenience foods. You know what I'm saying? Like our rotisserie chickens are like cheaper than you can actually like <laughs> roast a chicken in your house. So like pretty much every time we go to the grocery store, I pick up a rotisserie chicken because we can eat off on that for two dinners for five dollars. And if you go at certain times at uh, Walmart, I think it's like it's every four hours you can get them for two fifty. Wow, two dollars wow. fifty cents for a roast chicken. It's That's insane. crazy. It's funny that you say that because a couple of maybe a year ago now, David said. Let's just start getting the rotisserie chicken because the the other chicken that we have to cook ourselves is more expensive and then we have to cook it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. And then what we but do, I, you might like this, is what we do is we'll save all the, the, the carcasses when we're done eating it in the freezer. And when we have three or four carcasses, Dave will make a gigantic batch of soup that then becomes our lunches for the next couple of weeks. <laughs> I love it. I completely love it. <laughs> and what I figured out that like what happens is people don't, look, people don't pay attention. Do you know what I'm saying? So like every single one of our readers could do the, could have target stuff delivered to their house every three months for the exact same price that they're spending. It's probably a lot less because they're probably picking it up when they run to the stop and shop or whatever, Right. but they don't. Right. So, and it's not that they don't want to save money or they don't want to save time. It's not that they absolutely love running out in the middle of the night when they realize they have no deodorant or toothpaste tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) It's that Something prevents them from stopping and taking five minutes to figure this out. Mm -hmm. And I think it's because there's just so much overwhelm in life. Do you know what I mean? There's just so much stuff that you figure out that you should do, you have to do, you want to do. And nobody sits down and writes it all down and says, all right, plan of attack. This is what we're going to do. Until Rosemary started doing it. (laughs) This is is your plan of attack. This is what you're going to (laughs) do. I love it. So at least to my next question, this is a little bit more philosophical, but how do you think we got to this point where everybody is just so spread thin and stressed out. So I wonder, I don't know if, I mean, I I hate to say this, I hate to put myself down, but I'm probably not a really big, deep thinker. (laughs) But um, 
like I always view it. I know a lot about like the mom mentality. So like I grew up with a stay at home mom and uh, most of my friends did. So when I grew up and got married, like I wanted to do just like what my mom did. I wanted to take care of John. Like it's like probably the most sexist view in the world. I'm sorry. <laughs> I wanted your to choice. Like, so, right, make all these fancy dishes and like take care of them. And then what I found myself doing was trying to work, you know, 50 hours a week and somehow be the same sort of mom that my mom was as a stay at home mom. And that like clearly was not working out. Um, and I think what happened was like, we all are, we're trying to do too many things. Like we see Pinterest and we want to be these awesome moms. And, you know, a lot of people don't realize that most bloggers stay at home. So when they see all those like awesome, like Pinterest crafts and they think that working 50 hours a week, they also have to do Pinterest crafts and make, you know, rainbow colored quiches or whatever. Like there's a disconnect there. Shout you out realize- to the pride people. <laughs> <laughs> there's a disconnect there. And I really think there's a limit to what we can do. And I think you have to choose like what's important to you in life. And it's totally cool if you want to have like an awesome career. And it's totally cool if you don't want to start your own business, but you have to recognize that there's a trade-off for that. Do you know what I'm saying? And if you do live in a family where two people are working, you can either say, Hey, we're going to take a part of that income to pay for house cleaning and grocery delivery and all of this other stuff that might you know, make our burden a little bit less, or you can be like, no, we're going to focus on reducing our money as much as possible and automating other areas of life. But you can't do everything. I feel like when people say that they don't, people don't understand. They're like, well, yeah, you can't do everything, but you really can. But you really cannot do everything. No one can. Right. Right. I was just going to say, this is one of the things that John and I talk about in when we encourage our community to live a fabulous life without living fabulously broke is to determine what that fabulous life looks to them, not to what it looks like to the people they go have brunch with or what it looks like to their parents or what it looks like to the societal norms that they think they need to have. Your fabulous life is what makes you feel really good about everyday living. And that's kind of what you're talking about here is you can't go out and do everything. So don't even try. Don't even bother because it's just going to make your life chaotic and stressful. And you're going to have these, these moments where you get so stressed out that you just sit on the couch and you watch Netflix for eight hours. And then you're going to be mad at yourself for sitting on the couch. And then you're going to feel like you need to go out and do all these things. And you try to do all these things. David's doing a little bit of confession. (laughs) The second season of The Crown. (laughs) (laughs) But it's not living up the expectations of anyone else but yourself or yourself as a couple or as a family. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. I think it's great. So it it sounds like, it's interesting that you say that. It sounds like, especially maybe for women, and correct me if I'm I'm wrong, but society has changed their expectation of women. And you might have wanted to stay home with your kids and take care of your, your husband and kids, but society also wants you to go out and get a job and have an amazing career. So you kind of are balancing these two sort of traditional and new newer expectations, and it's almost impossible. Absolutely. And I feel like that's probably pretty standard for your community too. Like, I mean, I know that you just think about different things. There's all these like warring things in you. Like you want one thing and you want something else and you, there's no way that those two things really combined. Well, there is a way you can start a home business, but yeah. <laughs> that's a whole separate. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll get on that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I have a question for you, Rosemary, kind of breaking away from this idea of societal norms and doing what is good for you. 
a lot of people in our community are now, because in the last couple of years, are thinking about and are planning and getting married. Mm-hmm. You and your husband had a wedding yeah. for $3,000. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> and how did you do that? I mean, the, the, you, because so many in our community now are paying for their own weddings, I think that there's a, a great lesson to learn here is how you, how you and your husband had a great wedding for $3,000. So it actually goes into what you guys were just talking about, where it says, like, do the things that you want to do. So when John and I got married, we realized that we were we had just started this whole budgeting journey. And we were like, well, we can either get married in like 2020 or we can like <laughs> do this on the really cheap. And there were certain like aspects of the wedding that were really important to us that I was really excited about, like the dress. And we really wanted to have my parents' um, anniversary date. And so things like that. Well, what ended up happening was we had our first like real date, I guess I would say like overnight date or whatever it was. We went to um, the Tropicana Resort in Atlantic City (laughs) and they have this like eternity sky or forever sky or whatever they call it inside the building. So you're inside, but it kind of looks like you're outside and it's absolutely gorgeous. And we would go there like every couple of months and meet my parents there. And we would all like, you know, gamble and have fun. And it was great. So we decided to go there. We asked for their permission to get married in the middle of the quarter, which they gave us for free. They said, as long as we don't set up chairs, which is great, because I don't really want like a two hour service, like just (laughs) come in, say we're married and then let's move on. (laughs) Um, We invited 30 of our closest friends. The um, the requirement was I had to feel comfortable tripping in front of you in order to come. (laughs) (laughs) We ended up doing it. I think the majority of that, and I have a breakdown on my blog, I can give you the post, but the majority of the cost was like this huge dinner at Carmine's Italian uh, food, which is like amazing. It's like the best. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> and we just like, we had a complete blast. Like we were up to like three in the morning the night before the wedding, gambling with friends. And the amount that we gamble is pretty cheap. We ended up getting free rooms for everybody in the wedding party and almost all of the guests. Um, because when when you go and gamble, let's just say even not a large amount of money, like small, like $20, $50, if you do it a certain strategy and you go for things that you're going to spend a little, make a little back, spend a little, et cetera, et cetera, you end up getting free room offers all the time. So we would get tons and tons of free room offers, which is why we would go every couple of months. And it's right on the beach. It's the boardwalk. It's a really, really gorgeous place. I have a whole post where I break down exactly how we did this, but Man, if you want like a super cheap, like high class wedding, that's the way to do it. It was pretty awesome. Yeah, that's great. I, I've, I've read that post and we'll include it in the show notes because it is very detail oriented and, and, and Rosemary spells it out step by step. I, again, you're just so, even even before you were the busy budgeter though, you were very methodical. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Have a strategy and execute on it. Yes. Yeah. Right? Implementation. It, yes, exactly. Okay. Taking action. If you don't take the action, it's never going to happen. Exactly. Yeah. So this is a great segue into what made you then, you're improving your life, things are getting awesome. What made you even think about blogging? So I love the home daycare, right? So we replaced our income by starting the home daycare. And that was like, oh my gosh, man, that was like the best decision for me because it was like, I could be that stay at home mom that I really wanted to be, but I was now paid for it. And then what happened though was a little thing that I wasn't expecting and that John hated the daycare. John thought that <laughs> oh. I ruined his whole life and 
to be fair, like it's hard for him because, you know, there's a fine mist of ground Cheerios on every surface. of the <laughs> And like he just walks in and is like every data screaming kid. So I totally recognize that that was not going to work out long term and that to have like marital bliss, we're going to have to change this. I actually my mom pushed me into it. She had kept talking about it. And then I was like, mother, do you know how much I work? Like, I can't do that. I don't have time for that. And it was like pretty much like stop bugging me. And then I got a letter from Rusuku, uh, who runs Leapwog Academy. And it was literally like a sales letter. It was like, oh, I created this new course. You should join it. I make a full-time income from blogging. And I was like, shut up. Are you serious? <laughs> like, this can't be a thing. And I was like, this is a thing. I'm doing it. I asked John that night to invest several hundred dollars in a blogging course, which probably I was not expecting him to say yes. I was like, my jaw hit the floor when he was like, you have to do this. And I was like, well, yeah. And I like had the button push before like he stopped talking. Like, oh, done. No, Daisy's back to <laughs> But so same thing, like I treated that super seriously. So essentially for the next year, I considered myself to have two jobs. I worked the daycare for 50 hours a week. And then every single night for I did 10 hours a week of the blog. And then as soon as it started looking like we're going to go full time, I ramped it up to 20. And when I did that, I worked a lot that year. And, you know, in the blogging, like in the beginning, you don't really know that it's going to work out. Like you don't write your first crappy post and horrible graphics and say, I'm <laughs> totally going to rock at this. <laughs> um, but I knew that that was going to happen. So I basically made myself that promise that I was going to do this for, for 10, 10 hours for one year. 10 hours a week. And if it doesn't work out, then that's totally okay. Move on with your life, figure out a different solution. And we had backup plans like um, before and after care so that the kids leave during school, but you take care of them before and after school. But what ended up happening, of course, anytime you implement that diligently and you stay consistent as we were able to take the blog to full-time income by the end of the year, I think it was in 10 months, uh, I was full-time. And then by 18 months, I had tripled little more, no, more than tripled, almost four times the income that I made from the state police. So, and it just kept kind of going up from there. And I, I think obviously the key here is that you have a plan, you implement it and you stay consistent. Most of the people that I know of that blogged and did very similar stories to me stayed super consistent with it. And then you, you have to have some sort of aptitude for it. Um, but the people that did it had very similar results. Yeah. Something else I'm getting from you and I, I in a lot of other leadership books I read, you had the courage to change. And I like how yeah. you, you had the courage to say, let's make some change so I can quit the police force. Then let's make some change so I can um, run a daycare. And then clearly this isn't working out. I have the courage to say, even though I've got money coming in, because I, th I think that's what people get hung up on. I I'm yeah. making good money right now. I've got benefits. I don't want to shake the yeah. cart too much, but you're not happy. So fix it. But you had the courage yeah. to say, okay, we can't have Cheerios here all the time. Otherwise, John's not going to come home someday. <laughs> and um, so we got to have the courage to, to change it. And you, you said it right there, which I, what inspired me was that you said, I'll try the blogging for a year. If it doesn't work, I move on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think people think that um, failure is fatal and we fail all the time. I mean, <laughs> if we had a failure board, like it would be filled. <laughs> um, but I think that 
So the thing, you probably have this, and I hope I'm not going to offend anybody in the state police, but there was always those people that hated the state police, right? Like hated their jobs, made everybody miserable. I'm sure they made like the, the people that they came in contact with miserable, the public. And it's like, why are you here? Like exactly. there's a million other jobs in the world. And it's because this is all they've ever known. Mm-hmm. And they're just scared to death to like do something different. So it's like if blogging hadn't worked, we would have had a backup. Something else sometime is going to work. But if you're just willing to just stay where you are and be unhappy for the rest of your life, then I love you. But like you kind of deserve it. A bit. Right. Just stop complaining. <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> Which is something that we all kind of get, we all fall prey to, you know, especially Absolutely. when things get difficult. Yeah. But yeah. 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 And then we start to seek people who are also frustrated or angry with their job and you kind of just feed off each other. But it's, you're not living the life that you want. And, and you have to have that courage to say, okay, this isn't working out. Let's try something different. And if that doesn't work out, we'll try something else. And I, you know, David's quitting his, actually, by the time this gets published, David will have a month left of his job. <laughs> and we're, we're a little scared because I was scared to quit my day job because it was the first time since I was 14 that I didn't have a job. And so I was like, I've never not, I've never not had a job. So this is very yeah. scary, but I adapted pretty quickly. <laughs> You'd be surprised. And then, you know, so now that David's quitting, it, it's a little bit, another level of angst because at least I've been able to rely on him and his benefits. But we say to each other, the economy is great right now. Um, yeah. We're in the prime of our lives. Um, we've got, yeah. we, we were fortunate enough that over the years that we've been building debt for guys, we've been saving money and saving money and saving money. So we've got a, a healthy cushion. There's never yeah. been a better time to do this. And like Rosemary's saying, if you just become methodical about reaching towards your goals, take little baby steps here and there to get towards your goal. Eventually, You'll look back and you'll say, wow, I can't believe I did all that and I have this opportunity. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. It's huge. And the thing is, is like, it's always going to be scary, right? It always is. It was every single thing I've done was terrifying. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is going to be horrible. Like everybody's (laughs) going to laugh at me. But if you know in the back of your mind, like worst case scenario, what's going to happen? Like, is this going to kill you? Probably not. Like if you, if you roll the die and you, and you fail and it doesn't work out, what is the worst case scenario? So John and I always said like we'd be happy in a in a in a box living together if we had to. Like we'd make it work. We would <laughs> figure something out. So I think when you have that in the back of your mind, you're like the worst case isn't that bad. Right. right. And when you when we really think about it, there are people who on a regular basis they quit one job and switch to another quit that yep. job. You know, they're doing this every yep. two years or every 18 months. They're doing this because they're in this eternal search for what yes. what it is that's going to make them happy. And yep. doing something to, like you said, you wanted to work 20 hours a week and you want to be able to support your family and you want to be able to enjoy your life. Well, you've got to figure out what, what can make that happen. What are the various uh, options that there are that it'll, that'll make that happen? And kind of reverse engineer it. Yeah. And is the goal and how will I get there? That's the same thing with John and I. We said, we hated going to work in the morning, leaving each other at 6 o'clock, 6.30 in the morning, not seeing each other until 6 o'clock at night, wondering how your day was in between, spending two hours, three hours together, and then going to bed. And we're like, yeah. this is not the life that we want to live. That's no, like, and that is like, it's everybody's like, oh, that's just normal. Like, it doesn't have to be. You're right. making it normal. Right, exactly. Yeah. Break free from the norm. 
Yes. Break free from the ordinary and you can be extraordinary. Yes. I just created me. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I think you touched on this a, a couple of times, but are, are you in my camp where I think most people should have blogs? <laughs> yeah, I really do. Like, oh my gosh, yes. Because here's the thing. So if you're trying to save money, right? Forget about as an income potential, which it is. But if you're just like, you want a hobby that kind of keeps you busy, that connects you to people, that lets you make a difference in the world, that gets your voice heard. It is the funnest hobby in the world. It takes up all of your time and it's super fun. Mm -hmm. It's so exciting when you write something and somebody from Germany comments or like some (laughs) some random person is like, this is so smart. And you're like, oh my gosh, like somebody read something that I wrote. So that's the first thing, right? Like it's super cheap. It's like four bucks a month to, to host a blog. And it takes up a lot of the time that you probably would have spent at bars or golfing or going out to dinner with friends or something like that. So it's a great way to save money. On the flip side of that, that great way to save money has the potential to turn into a business that, I mean, there's no limit to. The overhead on a blog is like almost nothing until you start hiring staff and people. And the potential, the earning income potential is staggering compared to a traditional business like a restaurant or a bar or something like that. Because again, we don't have any overhead. We don't have to rent a building. We don't have to pay for a product or inventory. We don't have to, when we sell products are typically digital. There's like, it's just the income earning potential of blogs are insane, insane. And they're not going away anytime soon. You're essentially, all you are as a blogger is you're an influencer. So you're basically teaching someone else something. And because of your reach or how large your blog is or whatever, people care about what you say. Um, So it's almost like having a bestie that's really good in something that you can always like check in and (laughs) see how she feels about something. Right. Um, So yes, everybody should have a blog. I love that. And I love the the comment that you make, the income potential uh, that comes from this. John and I profiled Rosemary on our website (laughs) about two and a half years ago. And we wrote this article about how this woman was making $3,000 a month and replaced (laughs) her income. And today you're making... It's 10 times, 20 times that per month. I think last, last week you had a post about how you made $52,000 in affiliate income in one month. Just, just in affiliate income. Yeah. It's insane. It's been insane. And it just keeps growing. I like at some point you're like, does like, there's gotta be a cap on this somewhere. (laughs) What's the catch? (laughs) Apparently not. (laughs) No, there's no catch, but keep saving. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, It's funny. We had that, had that post, uh, the review of you and meet Edgar. So every now and then it would go out to Twitter. And after a while, David's like, we have to take this down. This is so old. It's so misleading. (laughs) Yeah. She's earning way more than $3,000 a month. It's not even applicable anymore. (laughs) I like what you said too. Even if you don't want to make income from it though, I think if you want to advance your career, I think blogging is great because especially if you, if you, if you blog on that particular topic that you want to get good at in your career, it really helps you find your voice and think about things. And there, there's, Dave and I have read so much and thought so much about personal finance topics that we never would have thought about had we not blogged because you kind of got to think about your thoughts and make sure you're prepared to put it out there for people to hopefully accept it. But people cannot obviously reject it too. And you want to be prepared to be able to, to take that rejection. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And accountability. So, I mean, I'm sure you have the same thing where like, I, we were definitely like into budgeting before we started the blog, but at the same time, like writing about this every day, like going to places like FinCon where you just talk to people who are all money smart in ways that I could never be. <laughs> you just, you soak all this stuff in and you start getting better and better at it. And there's also a responsibility to your readers. Like, you know that they rely on you for the information. So it makes you take it like super serious. Exactly. Right. And you bring up a good point here that no matter what it is, whether it's budgeting, fly fishing, baking cakes, whatever it is, if you have a desire to do something, creating a blog and documenting the process of how you learn this is the best way to teach other people. And that's yeah. how you become that influencer. That's how people buy into your process and, and then appreciate, really appreciate what it is that you're teaching them. Fly fishing? Where did you get Yeah, that? I don't know. It's just not in our vocabulary. It's not. It's not. <laughs> We're like me saying fixing engines. <laughs> well, Rosemary, I, I, I told you at FinCon, I could talk to you forever. <laughs> clearly, I can drink a couple bottles of wine while we do it. <laughs> but where can our listeners find out more about you and how you can help them? So they can go to www.busybudgeter.com. And we've got all of our posts and information and things like that. We even have a 90-day budget boot camp that they can join there. And that basically um, goes step-by-step through all of the transformations or things that they would need to do to get out of a paycheck-to-paycheck cycle. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. I love that you're offering that. One of the things I've learned from all the stuff that that we've read, and and of course, Dave and I have had to learn learn this the hard way, but for most of the things that you want to succeed at, somebody's already done it. So if they're willing to put out the recipe of how they did it or the instructions of how they achieved whatever that goal is, just cheat and learn from them. Yes, <laughs> Don't go the through it the hard sheet. way. <laughs> yep. Totally, totally agree. Cool. Well, thank you so much for your time. You're, you're, I know you're very busy and you're managing a home and a business and your kids. So we appreciate you coming on and talking to our audience. We think it's been super helpful. Thank you. Thank you guys so much. I love you guys. Likewise. Thank you, Rosemary. And I'll just remind everyone, if you're on Pinterest, follow Busy Budgeter on Pinterest. If you want some of those tips on how to get some of those 15-minute meals that oh, yeah. that uh, Rosemary used to organize her chaos. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Cool. Thank you. Thank you, Rosemary. You are such an awesome woman, and we are grateful to call you a friend. Isn't she amazing? I really appreciate how she methodically and purposefully lives her life and makes the changes that will help her and her family thrive. Don't forget to grab the grocery list and menu that we've used over the past 10 years to help us save thousands and bank that money for retirement and our business. Just open up the more button on iTunes or go to the show notes page to get your copy. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week. Okay. We just serviced you, now you get to service us by subscribing to this podcast on iTunes and signing up for the Queer Money Lifestyle newsletter at queer.money. Well, I'm not really gay. (laughs) (laughs) Would help me if I had a personal chef made all all my healthy meals for me. Right. So instead I'll have a Snickers tonight for dinner. (laughs) (laughs) The other end, I like the butts, so... From Los Angeles, California to Winooski, Vermont, we're taking Queer Money on the Road. 
Join us as we gamify personal finance with Queer Money Bingo or catch our signature Live Fabulously, Not Fabulously Broke Talk and so much more in between. Check out QueerMoneyPodcast.com forward slash tour or the link in your podcast player regularly for date and location updates.